There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get started with this episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to tell you I am stoked to be collaborating with Rotoballer this 2020 season with the Benched with Bubba podcast joining the Rotoballer radio network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball players their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer 2020 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all Benched with Bubba listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's draft kit by using the discount code BUBBA. Rotoballer is home to the number one Fantasy Pros Accuracy Ranker, Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers, and busts. More than 300 2020 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with a discount code Bubba. Just go to rotoballer.com backslash Bubba and get your draft kit today. They have tons of great stuff and you get premium with promo code Bubba, DFS, all the goodies. Use promo code Bubba, sign up at Rollerballer, connect your 10% off with promo code Bubba. Now to tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba. back everybody to another edition of Bubba and the Batflip episode 46 week two is in the books and we just had fab run and that was crazy and there's been injuries and bullpens and opt-outs and you name it it's happened and we have a long ways to go this season you can find me on twitter at bdentric and my co-host is always on this endeavor on twitter at batflip crazy toby how we doing man we are tired Bubba. you're tired it's been a long uh it's been a long week it's been a long um Long fab, man. That fab was grueling. I generally do fab on Saturday night, so I get it all lined up. And then on Sunday, I make a couple tweaks, just, you know, injuries, news, whatever. But this week, it was just kind of a go, go, go type of thing. So I know a lot of people were experiencing the same thing. I have way too many leagues. It felt uh, it felt exhausting to go through that as, 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 uh, as weird as, or as, not grueling fantasy baseball should be. It was, it, it felt grueling. So 
here we are. We're on the other side. Fab ran, ran through. Sometimes some are good, some are bad, some are whatever. Yep, yep. I, I know the feelings. I was actually proud of myself. I got like most of my fab done last night. Did a couple of other leagues this morning. I was like, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, done. I'm like, sweet. They went out with the family and did some things. And then just news after news after news. And I, I tweeted it. You tweeted something similar. Just like, what do we do? Like, it's, it's yeah. all it's all, all for nothing. It's just chaos. That's why yeah. I, I, I titled it week two chaos. I guess it's just going to be a weekly thing. I think I'll change the number each week. But um, we won't go to like the, the, the COVID stuff is out of our control. There's going to be cases. It seems like baseball is going to play. I guess I accept that for now. It's just going to happen. And the schedules are changing. Even like Jeff Erickson, I think, was tweeting it last night or this morning. They tweaked some schedules around. Now, all of a sudden, the, the Rays have a double hitter, which means two seven-inning games instead of the night. So if you start doing the math on stuff, you're losing at bats. You're doing, like, There's just so many moving parts in what's going on. Oh, which 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 Rays game? Uh, this will be good radio. If you give me two seconds here, I will. No, it's uh, all right. It's all right. I mean, things yeah. are just – things are all over the place. They're wacky, you know? Mm-hmm. And you just hope, you just got to hope that um, that it doesn't hurt you worse than it hurts other people. You know, we were yeah. talking before the show. It's like, you know, in my best main event team, I had JT Realmuto all last week. You know, just like sitting there doing nothing. I have a bunch of Blue Jays on a couple of my good teams, and they're just sitting there. I had two or three spots in all, pretty much every single one of my teams that were just kind of sitting empty. Uh, through the weekend and in some instances, you know, pretty much through the week with injuries and stuff like that. So you just got to hope that over the course of a shortened season, it evens out as much as possible and that it doesn't result in you having, you know, uh, suffering, you know, the brunt of it. But obviously that happens in any season. So you just got to got to be able to you got to try to do what you got to do, um, you know. Okay, This is the, the Rays deal. Uh, Mark Tonkin tweeted it from the uh, Tampa Bay Times. Jeff Erickson retweeted it type deal. Um, he says the Rays are now officially off on Thursday after supposedly playing on Thursday, and they're going to play a double header versus the Yankees on Saturday. So they're not going to play Thursday. They're playing a double dip on Saturday, which means two seven inning games instead of you know an extra couple nine inning games. Um, and then and they, that move took place so the Yankees could play four games with the Phillies this week because the Yankees are supposed to play three with the Phillies, four with the Rays, but do Rays Thursday through Sunday. And so mm-hmm. my point through all this is this is going to be an ongoing thing. Like right now, right? Like we had, we had the Phillies and the Marlins miss a whole week. We're going to have to find ways to mix and match because they're going to really try to get that schedule t- taken care of, as crazy as that sounds. Mm-hmm. And now the Cardinals might have more positive tests, so they might be out this week, which means the opponents yeah. they're playing this week might be out. It, it's just going to be a revolving door of like WTF. And it's yeah. just all you can do is the best you can do. I'll ask you this because there's really no correct answer. But after what we saw last week, for you mentioned rosters, you had locked. I tweeted out stuff. A lot of guys had it. Where after lock, all this was happening, we had no way to change things. Knowing the Cardinals situation, how do you approach the Cardinals and the teams that are playing this week in your weekly lineups? I tried as much as my as possible to get backups. Like um, I don't have a ton of exposure to Cardinals, but like I think it impacts on a couple levels. Like first, I have like Yadi Molina as my backup catcher in a couple of my main events. And so in those, you know, I think one of them, I got uh, Travis Heineman or Tyler Heineman of the giants four games in, um, in, in Rockies. But I think one of the things you got to balance is, is it's like, everybody's like every game counts, every big game's important. And that's true, but you got to balance which games are more important. So it's like with, is it more important to have a backup catcher or to have, you know, maybe a better hitter 
be available to be flexible where you know that there's going to be guys that miss time. And so I think that's a lot of the calculation that, um, that you're trying to figure out is like, what's the path of least harm like to your fantasy baseball team. So like, are you, you know, yeah, yeah. It's like, we're all going to be dealing with that, right? We're all going to have spots this week that end up being blank. I was telling you before the show, I have four Cubs, you know, I can't, I can't back them all up. You know, I can't, I just have to hope that down the road when there's double headers that I can help make it up or that there's going to be other guys who are in similar situations and it's just going to happen across the course of the season. Because if you worry too much about all of it, then I think that's, that's what I kind of felt like in fab is I was getting so bogged down in that level of details of like, okay, this guy might be out. So I need a backup here is it's like, well, let's pause. Like, I don't want to be, be dropping any guys that, that I don't want to be dropping right now. Mm-hmm. So let's just try to focus on like, okay, like what is the, what is the overall theme for this week? The overall theme is I want to have a full rotation, you know, like I want to have nine pitchers who are going, who I feel good about. That was priority number one. And priority number two was I want to have as much flexibility as possible um, on, on my hitting recognizing though that I'm going to take some zeros probably at some point in time. And that's just beyond control at this point in time. You just hope that when you drafted, you didn't, you didn't have exposure like I did to four Cubs, you know, so that if the St. Louis Cardinals series is, 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 uh, is canceled that you're just not sitting there like, well, you know, Oh, well, like that, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And Toby, and Toby's saying that because the Cardinals are supposed to play the Tigers for four, and then play the Cubs over the weekend. So, in theory, the way you could go about this, at least this is how I'm going to do it. Cardinals pitching, pretty much not going to. Like even Flaherty, I'm, I just don't. I'm not going to stomach that because it feels like if they have any more positives, if it's like two or three more tomorrow, they're taking the week off. It just feels like that's what's coming. So, pitching wise, for sure. Hitting wise, I don't feel comfortable with it. It's one of those if you want to put it in versus the Cubs because things change, you can do it on the weekend. Um, otherwise, just don't roll the dice. If you're in an FPC style. You can play your Tigers on the weekend, play your Cubs to start the week. You're just going to need to know that you're going to have to have some kind of backup plan. And it's too late now because Fab's already run. But going forward, that's kind of the strategy you're going to have to take. And at least that's how I'm taking it. Like you said, you want a, a stable rotation. Trying to put a, a, a Cardinals guy out there, not very good. And then Tigers guys even, and, and Cubs guys, say a Tigers guy was, was supposed to pitch on Thursday. Well, now with no games all week, does that guy get moved back to Monday the next week or something? Is he even going to throw? Like these yeah. are the little things that, that make it difficult that – as weird as it sounds, you like especially pitching wise, you just got to kind of cross these guys off for a week, which really sucks. When you're talking about flarities of the world, now when you're talking about the middle tier guys, okay, that is what it is. But like it sucks. But you mentioned it with the Cubs bats. You'd, you'd hope with all the double headers because these guys, right or wrong, most of it's wrong. The way Major League Baseball is handling this, they're going to try to get every game in the way they're making this work. They've already discussed like like pushing the season back, like double head. Like there, there's teams playing like. 37 games in 35 days right now. Like it's going to be stupid. Like that shows you how much they care about player safety, like big time like right there. So um, it, it, hopefully it evens out in the end, but let's go to, this is a more positive notes, but I don't think we need to keep going on in this cancellation thing. Lots of opt outs, lots of injuries. Let's look at how we can fix these situations or kind of attack them. We'll start with the Brewers. Lorenzo Cain opts out over the weekend while they were hanging out in Chicago hotels, waiting to see what the heck was going on. He, he hops out. And then Ryan Braun's now on the IL. So it's two outfielders slash DH gone. You got to imagine Ben Gamble's going to get more run, especially with right-handed pitching. How else are you looking at this uh, Brewer situation from a, how can we make this better with our roster standpoint? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, the Ben Gamble shout is, I think, a pretty good one. I mean, realized, you know, I think the challenge with him is he's going to bat ninth. You know, I think the speed may play. And so I think that's going to be something where you can kind of look for matchups where that speed can play up a little bit. He's he's not that good, though. So batting ninth and not being that good, um, you know, it's just it's one of those things. I didn't go after him at all this week um, just because I I just you know, that just wasn't on my radar. I was going after a lot of giants, you know, at cores, you know, so I was getting like Alex Dickerson or, or whoever. Um, so uh, I don't know. I mean, the Braun thing for me, I actually have him in a couple of leagues. I dropped him. I, uh, I moved on. Uh, it just seems like he hasn't been right from the get go. Um, you know, he's not playing consistently, even though there is the spot in the lineup for him. And so at this point in time, unless you're, you know, again, and I just think I dropped him in 12s, like um, unless you're an elite level talent or I feel like you're a critical part of of the path moving forward, then if you're going on the IL, then you're gone. Then you're not on my team anymore. Right. Like Tim Anderson, keeping him on the team, hoping, although, you know, a groin injury, like with his stolen bases that you're relying on, it's really hard to overcome. But, you know, that's an example where like Tim Anderson's going to stay on my team's. But Ryan Braun, you know, is a type of guy in a 12, at least, that I'm going to move on from just because I think I can get that production elsewhere. Like it may not be as easy, but, you know, the stolen bases, I feel like I might be able to cobble together. Maybe it's Ben Gamble and in a nice week where he's got a good matchup. You know, the power, I certainly feel like there's there's opportunities, especially with everybody getting injured and sick. I mean, there's going to be guys who kind of come out of nowhere to provide value. So I, I think the key is just, you know, is just uh, is do 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 the best you can, um, and if you're even kind of questioning it, it's kind of like I kind of lean towards dropping. It was like last week, you know, I've, I've dropped Verlander. You know, like it's like yeah, he could be back in four or five weeks, but you know, I, I just it's roster spots are so so precious right now in NFBC at least, where you only have seven. Yep. And there's no IL. So if you're in a different league, it's a little bit of a different situation. So obviously that's where league settings come into play. Yeah, no, I've, I've been doing the thing this last week. Really, I, you know, I used to like be able to stash a guy here. Like I picked up Jared Kalinick last week thinking, okay, he's going to be up probably in the next week or two. I'll, I'll get him cheap. Now I'm sitting there going, I don't, still don't want to drop him yet, but it's getting real close. But I dropped Braun. I dropped Dubon. And people, listeners of the show know those are most of my boys. But it's just, it's a different animal this year because trying to, fill roster spots with guys you're waiting for, you need live bodies. And with this situation, you have Ben Gamble. Um, Logan Morrison's going to light run into the DH. So if you're in a super deep league on the right week, they're in play. But mm. there's not much on the – even on the other their taxi squad, like Keon Broxton, a, a name, a flash from the past, is, is the other option there. So the Brewers taking a big hit this week, uh, losing Locaine and Braun. But uh, it is what it is. And we'll head to the uh, the New York Mets, who had some – and reporting – they went full TMZ this morning, just just – Blurting out news, making things sound like the worst case scenario. When in reality, Yolanda Suspedes just left and said, Peace, I'm out. Like, I'm opting out. I'll see you guys later. So, uh, Suspedes out for the, the rest of the year. When you look at the uh, the Mets, it's another team that's just not the most loaded in situations. It might be more playing time for Dom Smith. Um, but other than that, nothing really stands out. I guess it basically locks in Dom Smith and JD Davis. Do you have anything else on what the Suspedes opting out does? Not really. I think that's a good, it's a good call. And I think Dom Smith is a little bit of an underrated hitter. Um, you know, although he was gone and I think all my mains or at least close to all my mains. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it's it's an unfortunate situation. You know, again, like with all the players who are opting out, I, I, I give them credit. Um, you know, if they don't feel safe or I think I think Suspedes said that he had a family member who had a, um, you know, who had an immunocompromised condition or who had a condition that made them more more susceptible to severe symptoms under COVID-19. And he just didn't feel safe after what's been taking place. And, you know, I give a guy credit, all the credit in the world if they make that decision for their family. I think that that's um, great. And that's, um, you know, more more power to him for doing that. Uh, with the Mets, obviously, you know, I, I, I've been off and on Twitter. I've just been trying to track news. I've been out with my family. So I don't have all the details, but I know that it sounds like it was just, you know, pretty poor handling from a PR perspective. Um, and again, like there's already like the things about how, you know, just kind of trying to undermine his character and stuff like that, that are peeping out, which is always unfortunate, I think, to see. So kudos to Cespedes for making the best decision for him and his family. As a fantasy, you know, from fantasy baseball perspective, we move move on, we adapt, we try to do the best with what we can. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, quick one here, Strasburg, just for people that are hanging on to Strasburg, it starts. He's uh, just throwing off flat ground. He might throw another bullpen on Wednesday. It sounds like it's a few more weeks to get regular Stras back. I'm, it's hard not to hold on to Strasburg, knowing he is coming back with Toby. Is there like any little inkling in your head saying, you know what, if I find something else, we're dropping Strasburg? <laughs> Oh man, Strauss has been the guy that's hurt me the most. Probably, I have him in one of my one of my mains. Um, him and him and Jacob Degrom, and then I in my twelve team uh, higher stakes league, I um, I have him and Verlander to front my rotation with Granky as the third third ace there. So still holding it together. But with Strasburg, I don't know. I you 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 probably have more recent news than me. What I what I read was a little bit more encouraging that he threw a bullpen, I think today or yesterday that he's going to throw one more and then he's likely to, to start. I don't know how long he'll go, but they seem to think that he wouldn't need the same type of kind of live hitter experience they felt as maybe some other starting pitchers would go. I don't know if he'll go the full game, but what this might actually do is what I'm thinking about just based on what I'm seeing. If his bullpen's on Wednesday, I think chances are he pitches on Monday of next week. Uh, cause you, he, I think they have Thursday off. I think they just have two games this first part. So they have Tuesday, Wednesday. So I think what's going to happen is Scherzer's going to pitch on one day more rest than usual on Tuesday. And then I think they'll have, um, either, uh, they'll have, um, Corbin go on Thursday, Sanchez on Friday. Um, and then your boy, maybe your boy on Saturday. Um, and then what's that? Your boy on Saturday. Voth maybe on Saturday. I'm not. I'm not totally sure about that. But then Scherzer Sunday, Strasburg Monday. Um, I think that that's what might make sense. And so I don't feel too bad about the news, especially after reading last week about like the numbness and all that stuff. So I feel okay because I think when Stras comes back and he pitches, I mean he pitched really well in the preseason, and so I think we still have the chance to get you know a little some some goodness out of him. Um, the rest of the way. So I'm a little bit more confident, I guess, in him just because he is an ace. He's been there before. Um, so maybe I'm a little bit more confident, but I may not have the most updated news on that as you do. Uh, the, the most update that I've seen that got me to put this on the outline is he threw a bullpen session, a 31 pitch bullpen session on Sunday. And then he's going to pitch another bullpen session on Wednesday, assuming that's about 50. Let's just go with that. Which means if he pitched on Monday, like you're saying, he's good for 70 to 75 so yeah. it'll be one more start after that before he's ramped up. So either the end of the following week or the following like week five, I guess, or just four, whatever that is. 
So he's probably about another week or two from being full go, assuming there's no setbacks. That's uh, that's what we're looking for right now. So that's yeah. that. Yeah, and um, with 75 pitches, he can get through eight innings pretty yeah. easy, I think. Oh, with sure. him, yeah. With some of those teams in the East, no problem. Give him the Orioles, we're good. Actually, the Orioles are beating everybody. Sorry, Alex Fast. I know. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're that's – what, that's, what, that's the thing is we're getting all these um, – Every team is good at hitting for a little while. Remember last year when the Marlins were like elite for like a month there where Cooper and Anderson and all these guys were hitting. So it's like, we're just getting these waves and, and uh, you know, and that's kind of, that's kind of what we're, what we're dealing with right now. And, you know, and then there's a lot of batters who are talking about how just, they're just having a really hard time getting into it. Uh, I heard Bregman talking about that. The A's have obviously struggled some of their key guys. So we'll see. Should be fun rest of the way. Uh, just a quick one here for you. Chris Bryant and Joey Votto have been out of the lineup the last couple of days. They uh, reported themselves feeling symptoms, but no positive tests. It's just they're following kind of what Moustakis did. He was back a few days later. It's a minimum of three days, so it's one of those. They might miss Monday. They could be back Tuesday. What I'm asking you, if we hear nothing on Monday, are you putting them in your lineups? Uh, no. Okay. No, I mean, I I just, across, we've no. seen how these extend, and I think it's really difficult because with the testing, there's like the rapid test that they do, but the results aren't as reliable as the the nasal swab tests, And but those ones take longer for them to get the results back. And so I think they were saying, the beat writers were saying that it's normally two to three days when something like this has happened in the past. Yeah. And so I think, again, like it all depends on your situation. A lot of people won't have a better option. You know, and you just got to weigh, okay, if I think that there's a 50% chance that they play three out of the four games, uh, and then there's a 75% chance they play two out of that, what makes more sense, that or whoever else I have to put in there? So I think those are just the calculations that we have to get, get um, I don't know if comfortable is the right word with, but those are the types of calculations we, we have to make. That's our 2020, that's our 2020 uh, calculations. That's just what we're going to yeah. call them, it's the 2020. Um for those that didn't notice over the weekend, Ozzy Albies, he didn't play on Friday. He didn't play on Sunday because he's nursing a uh, wrist injury, a lingering wrist soreness. Um, they don't. They, they say they're just kind of taking it easy, doesn't need our, uh, an MRI. They're just taking it cautious. He played on Saturday, like I said, but didn't play Friday, didn't play uh, Sunday. Are you comfortable playing Albies this week? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I'm planning on having him in there. He did play Saturday. I think he got a couple hits, um, drove in a run, I want to say. Maybe um, I, that that's a fact checkable thing. Um, but um, uh, so, you know, it looks like they're just giving him maybe a little bit of extra rest, give him this demo, him that give him this additional day. So I'm hoping that he's going to be in there, but if, um, if he's not, then you just, you just gotta do, do what you can. Yeah. If, if, if we see on Monday, he's not in the lineup and it's before lock, you might consider making changes there. Just gonna throw that out there. Another guy to do the same thing with before lock on Monday, Josh Donaldson left Friday's game with a calf injury. This is an injury we've seen with before with Donaldson, and he never he didn't play Saturday or Sunday. They say he's day to day, nothing too serious. We we've heard this before with Donaldson, but um, I'm kind of nervous because this is kind of a thing we've seen with Donaldson before. If he's in the lineup Monday, obviously you play him. If he's not in the lineup Monday, what's your thoughts on Josh Donaldson? Yeah, I think it's a tough one. I mean, I think the the challenge for me with this one is he's had this before. It's been a nagging injury. The twins will obviously know that and they want to keep him healthy. They also look really, really good. And so while he's an important part of that lineup, I don't, wouldn't say that he's essential for their success. And so I would think that they're going to give him a little bit of extra time on this. So I'm not necessarily banking on him being in there. 
at least the first half of the week. If he's in the lineup there on Monday, then I think that's really exciting. But um, I think they're going to they're going to be super cautious with this one. And I think they yeah. signed him for what two or three years. So you know, it's a long term. Yeah, four years. It was it was three or four. Yeah, three or four. Yeah. So they they want him locked down for a little while. There's no doubt about it. I wish um, I had my right. hat right now. Look at this. Yeah. I buzz my hair, Bubba. Look at it's all not quite as short as you. They come to the party, man. I, I walk. My children said that I look like I was 18 years old. They're, they're what they need. They're flattering you so well. I know. Well, I'm just kidding because when you ask a child who's their age how old they oh, think true. you are, they're like, true. they're like eight. 18 is a long ways away for them. Long yeah. ways away. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez done for the season. For those keeping track at home, um, he was already having on the IL. He's he's done for the year, so you can. Let him go, and hopefully re- everything says he'll recover fine. Hopefully we see him next year, and that's good. Uh, you mentioned Tim Anderson earlier. He's on the IL with a groin injury. The severity of that I have not seen yet. That is a just – it sucks. On more levels, you obviously have him, which stinks. But he's fun to watch. He's a great table setter in that offense. Um, you just got to kind of sit and wait, right? There's nothing you can do with Tim Anderson. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I was going to tweet this out, but I wasn't sure if it was going to be taken the right way or not. But – I think this highlights for me, like Anderson and a couple other things just highlight for me, like, well, we all want to talk about like how we're skilled drafters and how, you know, we make these the, the right drafts and da, 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 da. I mean, luck plays such a factor. So in my main event, that's doing really well right now. I had the third pick in the draft and I ended up getting Garrett Cole. If I didn't get Garrett Cole, I was going to draft Justin Verlander. Right. So if I would say my chances of getting Cole were probably like 33 percent or something like that. So I got super lucky there coming back around. I had plotted out all the picks that I wanted to make in different spots coming around after that. I was going to go Tim Anderson and then Lance Lynn, but there was a little bit of a starting pitcher run there in that round. So I went Lynn hoping that Anderson was going to get to me at 63. This was picks 58 and 63. Anderson got picked on the turn before I went. And so I got Eloy Jimenez instead. And so it just shows you like how, a season can change dramatically. Oh, yeah. Not based on who I who I who I wanted to draft or who I was expecting to draft, but just because because those are the breaks, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to highlight that because you know a lot of my teams are doing well right now, and that's great. And people have said really nice things, which is great. But like, and I really appreciate that. Um, but it's also like there's a lot of luck that's involved too. Half of it is building the team, but it's also having those bre- those types of breaks go your way in the draft room. So don't take it too hard if your team isn't doing so well, or if you didn't get those breaks, things could easily be very different. Yeah. And a couple of things to hit on there is you mentioned a good thing. It's just kind of, sometimes the draft breaks different ways. It didn't mean you didn't know what you're doing. Like you had targets that someone else liked as well. I mentioned that when I did one of my two, both of them, but one specifically my listener leagues, I have never been sniped so much in my life. It's like, you can tell they listen to the show because they were literally, Oh, Bubba's picks coming up. We're going to go grab these guys now before he can't. And it happened all draft long. I was like, this, this, this sucks. But um, that was kind of a, a good thing. And then um, we don't, it's not a long season, but we still have a long ways to go. And categories are so tight, it, it could turn quick if you had, if had a slow start. So don't, uh, don't start going crazy yet. Cause literally the league leader in homers has like five. There's like guys with two stolen bases. It's it, one hot week and you could turn things around in a hurry. So yeah. don't go Abs- going crazy. Uh, absolutely. And I think one good thing too, I think this is really important if you're drafting a lot of different teams is no matter how much you like a guy, you have to diversify. No matter how much you like a guy, a guy can still get hurt. 
And that was one thing, like heading into drafts, I was like, I'm going to get at all of the JT Real Muta, right? I love JT. I thought he was undervalued, even though he was going high up in drafts. I really wanted to get him. I only ended up getting two out of four of him in my really important draft and my main events. And the reason why was because it was actually Phil Dussault had a tweet where he was just talking about kind of his approach in that nature. And it wasn't just that. I had thought about it before, but I was also like, I was like, it's right because you don't want to have all your, all your eggs in one basket, no matter how good, how sure you are that a player is either going to be good or healthy. You got to diversify and, and make sure that you're not, that all of your teams aren't relying on the same players to be successful. Yep. It makes a ton of sense. It's like stocks diversify. So you don't want to bury like construction. The idea of the rabbit, don't put all your eggs in the stolen base basket and then you get screwed. It's very simple. Especially when they're not good at baseball. (laughs) I'd love to stop there. Um, Danny Santana, a guy that I know we talked a lot about in the preseason. He's had a rough start to the year. He was missing time with a a sore right arm. Now he's on the IL. So it got bad enough. He went on today retroactive July 30th. So he's probably out just for this week, give or take. He hasn't played since Tuesday. Um, They they just wanted to open up a spot, I guess, and get Nick Solak already has outfield eligibility in teams with leagues of four game so that's a big plus already he's real close to a couple other spots but Santana's on the IL with his arm soreness I'd say you probably write it out this week but if you get some more bad news do you is he a guy worth dropping he's off to a really rough start yeah I think so yeah I mean I think it's just you just figure out try to figure out what's going on with this week and if he's still on the IL you know I think I think he's not good enough he's kind of he's brawnish right yeah, he's a guy who, um, you know, he's got that position flexibility, but you want, you got him partially for the speed, partially for kind of the whole package. And I think a lot of the questions you got to ask with yourself, these guys is like, when they come back, how healthy are they going to be? You know, and that's my thing with a lot of like COVID guys is it's just like, you know, like Sandy Alcantara. I love Sandy Alcantara. I think he's going to be great. He had a dominant start, but I dropped him in most of my leagues, you know, where I tried to drop him. I feel like I, tried to drop him in a 15 tumor and, and for some reason he didn't go. Maybe all my other guys were taken, but um, you know, for that. So um, you know, it's just, you just don't know how they're going to respond. Right. Like, um, and so I just think you gotta, you gotta be willing to move on if they're not, they're not special players. Yeah, no, I totally get it. And that makes a ton of sense there. And, and obviously for people listening, this is in like leagues with no injury list. If you have an IL, sure throw them on there. Yeah. But uh, you, you mentioned it's tougher because there's really no, minor league rehab stints like like sure Juan Soto's down there in the he's, he's rehabbing technically with those other with the the taxi squad but you don't see a lot of guys doing that right now when they're ready they hop on back in so keep that in mind uh this one's kind of good for those that have hung on to him Jesus Lazardo. he pitched uh, pretty well out of the bullpen the other night for the A's went to uh, and he's going to be in the rotation now he threw 67 pitches in relief uh, over the weekend which was really strong actually 67 pitches which means he should be good to go for 85-ish, give or take, you'd think, going into a start this week. So people that went heavy on Lizardo, it's go time. For sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think he's looked pretty good. Uh, he's among the CSW leaders, I know. Like, I, I don't think he's, like, top 10, but I want to say he's, like, top 25 overall for pitchers, around 33%, I want to say. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I was looking at it this weekend. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's good. I think the A's are good. It's a great ballpark. Everything about that situation is ideal. And I think one of the things is, is people who invested in him, I think you're going to see, I think as long as he stays healthy, you're going to feel pretty good about that investment because I think we underestimated the amount of, uh, 
of injury, you know, and, and issues that we were maybe going to, going to see happening this year. And so the fact that, that he has missed the first couple weeks, you know, if he's going in week three, you know, you're still going to get some solid run out of him. And I think he's going to be a really good pitcher. And, and so um, hopefully your team has been able to kind of string it along enough where, where you, where this little boost will help, help push you forward. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's a big, big boost for your team. If you took the gamble on him early and it paid off. Uh, last one I'm going to mention here is Marcus Stroman through four innings simulated game. Then he went through fielding practice and he was good to go. Like the reports are he went full tilt was the word. He was good to go. No timetable for his return. He had tore his calf in summer camp. So we don't know when he's coming back, but the reason I wanted to mention it is a lot of people probably gave up on him. So if he's out there, if you have room, you could add him, put him on the IL, but maybe someone next weekend to keep in mind. You could maybe sneak in cheap a week before if you have the roster space. I just wanted to bring him up because he's getting closer, and a guy like Strowman compared to some other guys on the waiver wire, there's a big difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, guys on the waiver wire who are going for 100-plus dollars in fat is <laughs> fairly remarkable. Yeah, just wait, guys. After we talk closers here, which is going to be depressing enough, we'll talk fab bids, and that'll make you just want to go, wow, just wow. Um, I'm hoping I don't fall asleep. I'm exhausted. <laughs> let's hope not. Let's hope not. We'll, we'll run through this. Um, I, you, you won't fall asleep. I won't fall asleep. Our viewers will not fall asleep because you want to know something. We're full of energy. We're engaging you throughout the evening in some of the most dynamic fantasy baseball discussions you are going to see. Literally. The world. Literally. Um, So we're going to talk closers because it seems like either they've been horrible or they've been getting hurt. There's not very many safe spaces out there. Like this is a safe space with us, but out there, not many. It is a safe space. So keep that in mind. But um, I'm going to use, and you can use whatever you want. I don't know what you're using, Toby, but I put a link to the closer charts that Greg Jewett has up. It has a a nice um, kind of who's in, guys coming up. He updates it all the time with like guys that have bad outings and different deals to keep you going on. That's a resource I've been using forever. Uh, Greg's been on the bench with Bubba before talking about closers. There's tons of different references you guys can use for that. But we're just going to go off of that, and I think I have all of them here. This but... segment is called Bullpen Disasters in the Outline. Yeah. By yeah, the way, that, like, you who, are, who are paying attention. You know, you don't come here for, you know, challenges or troubles – you come here for disasters. You know, we're either talking euphoria here or we're talking disasters. Yeah, I the used to never make euphoria section is later. Yeah, later. I used to never make it a point when I checked box scores. The first thing was never who got the save and who blew the save. That seems to be what I've done the last two nights. So that's been <laughs> really exciting. That's how bad it is. But uh, we're just going to start. Hope that I hit them all. We're going to start with the Rockies. It starts in Coors. Wade Davis to the IL. Um, Scott Oberg pretty much done for the season. So, Jairo Diaz was popular. We're going to talk about him coming up. Is he the guy that you would pick, or is it Carlos Estevez? Anybody else that stands out to you in Colorado, or is it, is it Diaz? Uh, it's definitely Diaz for me. Um, I think Diaz, I, I normally shy away from folks in cores, but um, Diaz has been, I mean, I guess I won't call him great. I mean, he's got 91 innings in his career, 404 ERA. But the things I like to see, you know, 2019, 14.3% swinging strike rate. Uh, this year so far, 15.5% swinging strike rate. You know, 17.9% K minus walk rate last year, 31.6% this year. It's obviously early, um, but I think he does a lot of the things that I want to see. And so I was, I was, I was in on him. I don't, 
I don't want to spend big dollars in fab on closers this year. I know that sounds absolutely ridiculous because you need them, but I'd rather go with the bulk approach, you know, of just having a bunch of guys with maybe a little and then lucking out and getting one of those guys to kind of move forward with the gig. Um, that's been kind of my approach. So he was my high bid in some leagues, you know, over a hundred dollars, like, like 114 and 109 in a couple leagues. Uh, really do like him um, a lot. I think he's good. He's going to be the guy that has the job. I think he's gotten the job towards the end of last year. He had the job. Um, I think before he was injured, maybe towards the, the very end of the year. So I think it's definitely his job. Uh, I put in in a 20 team dynasty league where there's just very little on the waiver wire. I put in a $385 bid and I got him. Um, so I, I'm confident. I, and also in TGFBI, I had a $109 uncontested bid where I got him. So um, oh, well, uh, so yeah, I, I'm big. I I'm, I'm a fan. I think of all the Rockies arms in that bullpen, including Oberg, he's the guy that I would like to have job and I think he's going to get it and the Rockies are going to get save opportunities. And I think they'll be, I think he'll be serviceable for the rest of the year. Yeah. Jairo Diaz went for as high as 541 for as low as nine across NFBC. So all over the board, but many feel like he's the guy. It makes sense. Nine bucks. Crazy, crazy time. But like you said, closers are going for some primo money. Uh, let's talk Pittsburgh Pirates. Some closers that went last week for them, Birdie and Crick. Crick goes the IL. Birdie has looked great, but we know he's not pitching on back-to-backs, which will lead to save opportunities in Pittsburgh if you really want to play the crazy game, which we are playing it in 2020. Uh, that's just the, the, the long and short of it. Like I said last week, I rostered Buck Farmer this week, and he gave me like three or four shutout innings. So it's just that's where we're at right now. It's, it's, it's the world we live in. Um, so, so one of these guys on Pittsburgh could be interesting. You have Michael Feliz. Uh, Keona Kella is active, and so he'll be rejoining the team shortly. Is there anybody else on Pittsburgh you want, or is it just Birdie and you're staying away? Uh, it's pretty much Birdie, I think. Uh, you know, it was interesting today to see usage. He hasn't pitched in a few days, and today they would have had opportunities to do it in extra innings, and they didn't pitch him. So what it tells me is they really are saving him for those type That's of fun. save, chance, slash, close it out opportunities and not to be mean to the Pirates. I mean, I actually dig what the Pirates pitchers are doing. Um, not all of them, but I think what they're doing from just a pitch mix and um, like systemic perspective is really good. I think we've seen some guys like Steven Brault today, you know, who took a step, who's taken a step forward, maybe not the volume that you necessarily want to see, but they're doing the right things with their pitchers. So I like that a lot. So Birdie's kind of the guy I want. The bullpen's really been shambles outside of that. Um, I think maybe Ricardo Rodriguez, um, he had a blow up, I think, in his first outing, but I think he's been pretty good since then. He might be the other guy. Kayla obviously coming back, but I think he's a ways out, and they're probably going to try to trade him since he's a free agent, you know, after this year. And so uh, for me, um, uh, you know, I, I think Birdie's the guy. I don't really want anybody else because I don't think they're going to get a lot of back back to back save opportunities. Yep, hundred percent with you. Got a lot of Birdie last week, and I'm pretty happy with that. So we're just going to ride from there. Chicago Cubs, Greg Kimbrell, my God. My goodness. I haven't and, been uh, well, there was reason to be optimistic a little bit, but at the same time, it has just been downright dreadful. Like, real quick, before we even talk about replacements, is he droppable for you? I didn't drop him in my 15-team main event that I have him in. I think I just league. wanted to say – drop in a 12-team league? Probably, depending on what the other options are. I mean, look, the, the velo is still pretty good. Um, he's getting destroyed, but I think a lot of it is just that he's just trying to get it over the plate at this point. So let's see, maybe when he gets out of that, 
you know, main role. Maybe he'll get a couple innings under his belt because the thing is like the reason why I drafted him, he was the last closer that went in kind of the guaranteed closer echelon. He went pretty late there. And that's something, you know, like having access to that job is something. And, and while he hasn't been good for an extended period of time now, like, again, the velocity is still good. The swinging strike rate still good. It's the walk rate that's challenging. So, yeah, I mean, I probably maybe I should have dropped him, but I held on to him for one more week just to see what happens. And then the, the kind of options you're hearing thrown around is Jeremy Jeffress, Rowan Wick. Those are the two main ones. Wick got a save the other day. Jeffress has a save as well. I, I'm leaning Jeremy Jeffress, the guy we've seen do it before. You know, had a rough go towards the end of Milwaukee, but the stuff's there. We've seen kind of a rejuvenation possibly with him. I'm going the Jeffers route. Do you have any thoughts on the Chicago backup plan? Um, you know, I was in on Wick. Um, I don't. I don't think Jeffers is. I don't think Jeffers is good. Um, you know, he had a really good season in 2018. Um, you know, but 5.02 ERA with a 1.37 WHIP uh, last year in 2017. It was a 4.68 ERA with a 1.64 WHIP. I'm going to guess that his velo was probably uh, up that one year. Let's take a look and see if that's, if that's what was happening. Um, yeah. So 2018, his velo was 96.2 miles per hour. So in his good year, he had uh, his highest velo since 2016. Last year was 94.4. This year it's 92.5. This is something that I want to emphasize because I think we're seeing it across the league. Velocity is absolutely everything in the bullpen. I think it is absolutely everything. When you look at Hansel Robles, he is struggling because he's down three miles per hour. It's not like his stuff got quote unquote worse. He's just, he was super good at the end of last year because he was throwing the ball harder than he ever had before. It played up his change up. It was harder to hit. Like it's all that. And that's why I keep on like harping on the Nick Anderson thing. He's gotten away with it so far. But his velo is down at 94.5. That is not special. It's very different than that 96 velo. So I'd be monitoring that velocity reading for so many different guys. That's why I went after Kyle Freeland so hard is because he has his highest velo that that he's had on record, 92.8 on his four-seam fastball this year. And it's just like velocity is so critical to making everything work for these guys. And so with Wick, his velo is down a little bit, but he's still over 95. I don't like him. His curveball, which is kind of his go-to breaking pitch, is not a swing and miss pitch. His fastball actually has the highest swinging strike rate. He's not your typical closer. But I got him, I think, for like 67 bucks, And so I think he should be the guy. But whether or not they do that, I really don't know because he's a lefty. Maybe they want him to go up against in lefty matchups. Who knows? But I think whatever happens, you know, the, 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 the Cubs closing situation is probably going to be a shit show for the rest of the season. They have garbage in that in that bullpen from a skills perspective. It's very bad, and that's kind of why Wick. I figure he'll be more of the lefty matchup situation, so he might get a few saves here and there. I think they go Jeffers because of the the righty deal, like what we're just seeing with Kimbrel kind of walking into that scenario. That's where I was leaning in that that mix there. Let's go to the Mets now. A guy I know we were both kind of at least I was for sure. I thought I think you were as well with Edwin Diaz. We were looking for that bounce back season and it's not happening it's got like each outing you get kind of hope and then it just blows up again so it's been really really ugly um you have Seth Lugo back there who I still feel they want to put in the right situations to maybe go more than an inning here and there he might you know get some saves but I think I think they want to use him in different scenarios uh you have the Batances who's been just as well not as bad but pretty close as bad as Diaz and then there's Jerry's Familia sitting there whoo I don't even know what to go with the Mets. I, I would just get Lugo to have him. We, talk, we talked about drafting Lugo to start the season off. But the backup Diaz for saves, 
I guess you could throw a buck on Familia and see what happens because Batance has been just as bad. But what do you see in in, uh, in New York? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a little it's a it's a mess, right? Everybody's been pitching really poorly. Um, for me, I put a couple of conditional bids on Familia. Um, I just think you know, obviously, he has the quote unquote experience, but he's also the only guy who's pitched decently. It sounds like he's had one poor outing, but he's pitched okay. You know, from a skills perspective, you know, sixteen point one percent swinging strike rate. The walks are always going to be an issue, although they haven't necessarily been an issue this year. Um, he's been unlucky. He's got a 50% strand rate. Obviously, it's like three innings. So I put in for Familia. I think Lugo, they've had different opportunities to kind of put him in the closer role, and they never really have. But Tan says the velo is down considerably, and he hasn't been pitching well. So just seems like process of elimination, Juris Familia was the guy to go for. But again, you know, like I didn't go in heavy on, on anybody here. All right, uh, the Cincinnati Reds, uh, Rossiel Iglesias, a guy who I've been a fan of every year because he eats up innings, gets you ratio, like strikeouts, gets you more – like he's one of the more consistent year-after-year 25-plus save guys. He was in you know, Alex Fast breakdown article on all that stuff. He's had a rocky start to it as well. It's a common theme tonight, folks. So I'm not saying they're yanking him yet, but you got like Michael Lorenzen who can just throw straight cheddar, and he's got that closer uh, personality there. Amir Garrett, sneaky nice from the left side. Um, I'm not saying they're going to take Iglesias out just yet, but I think Lorenzen's worth a, a bid here and there. Are you interested in any, anything in Cincinnati? Not really. You know, I had some um, conditional bids before today's game. I had some conditional bids on um, Lucas Sims um, just because he's been pitching so well. He's had one of the better um, seasons just from a skills perspective of any reliever in the game. So I was in on him, but he kind of imploded earlier today a little bit. I mean, Castellanos was – to blame for a lot of it, but he obviously got the runners on. So I took that bid uh, away. You know, TJ Anton is a guy who this is like the first I've ever heard of him, but he's bit pitched really well from a skills perspective. He's a driveline guy. You know, again, the, the Reds seem to be kind of adapting to the more modern idea of the game, I think, in a lot of ways. Lorenzen's been really bad. Um, he has been, um, you know, uh, 16.88 ERA, 1.88 whip. Uh, the skills aren't necessarily that bad. And so again, if they're a smart team, they won't look at that. His strand rate is 0%. So he's allowed every single runner to score. Um, so he could be next up in it, you know, again, uh, but I kind of steered clear TJ Anton or Iglesias. I think he wrapped up the game. Um, he got the win I think today. So, um, you know, wasn't super interested in that. Um, but those are some of the guys who I was thinking about more. So, um, just because they've been pitching so well. All right. Uh, just for those worried about Kirby Yates, it hasn't been pretty, but he said it's mechanics. He already knows what it is. He's going to work on fixing it. Keep that in mind. Uh, Drew Pomeranz already picked up a save. You got Pagan there. Bullpen's very deep, so if they have problems, it's there. But Yates should be okay. I wonder if Yates is down in below too. I'm going to check uh, it out while you're in trying. Uh, the other thing is uh, the Nationals, Daniel Hudson, I, I wanted him to start the year. Sean Doolittle's velo is disgusting. He's getting rocked. Huddy's the guy. So uh, go get him wherever you can, something in that regards. Let's go to the American League, where um, we'll start with the Angels. You mentioned Hansel Robles. The velocity's down. He's, he's, he's been a mess. Uh, Buttry, they brought him in, and he had a rough Sunday. Kenyon Middleton came in, who closed for them in years past. It wasn't ideal for him. What are we doing in Anaheim? Now, this is my sneaky closer of the week right here. I got him in a few places at least. I think Felix Pena is super interesting as the closer potentially there. 
the Anaheim bullpen has been god awful. They've every single guy to a player has been bad. Robles has been awful. Buttry, I don't even know if he's struck out a guy yet. Um, uh, he he lost the opportunity this time. Middleton, it seems like, has been pretty good just from like a velocity perspective, but I also don't think he's actually pitched that well. Let me check just really quickly. Um, he's been okay. His whip is three, um, you know, and there's nothing that's super jumping out at me there. Felix Pena has pitched very, very well. He's been doing multiple innings, but Joe Madden was quoted as saying, I feel really comfortable with Felix Pena anywhere in a game, including closing. And after Buttry blows this save today, I hopped on and I increased that bid for Felix Pena a little bit because I think whether it's an inning or two, um, I think that he might be the guy who Madden trusts the most. And I think Madden, for all the weird credit he gets about thinking outside the box, I think he's a very traditional manager when it comes to closers. And I think it's clear that Robles, the velocity has gone. Like it's three miles per hour down. A 94-mile-per-hour fastball, that's everybody now, right? That's everybody throws 94 miles per hour. And so you're not special at that point in time. No offense, Hansel. I love you. You know that. But, like, so for me, I would move move away from Hansel. I didn't drop him again because I just didn't know what the usage was going to be. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, Buttry, um, uh, Buttry pitched today, but Robles blew up yesterday, so maybe they come back to him. I don't know. But Felix Pena is the guy that's – could you could get for a couple dollars. And I think I really like him as a potential guy who could get saves, who is pitching very, very well right now. Yeah. He's painting a lot last year when he was in the opener role there with um, Anaheim. Very good stuff in, in that one. The Houston Astros is a, is a disaster. Everyone's hurt there. Osuna might be done for the year. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Ryan Presley is lined up to be the closer, but then they have a bunch of youngsters. Andre, Andre Scrub, Brandon Bailey, uh, Joe James Torres, Blake Taylor, it's Presley for me, but my goodness, it's a mess in Houston, Toby. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't have any investments over there, and it's just been, who knows that? Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not necessarily investing, but I think Presley makes sense. I mean, even as a guy who, even if he doesn't pitch this week, if you can get him and just kind of have him in your lineup, just hanging out because he's good enough to really be one of the most dominant closers in baseball when he's healthy, because. He's been one of the most dominant relievers the last couple of years. So I think that's a really good um, – I think that's who I would go with in this particular scenario, though I'm not confident at all. Another one that I'm not super confident in is the Texas Rangers because Jose Leclerc's pretty much done for the year with his injuries on the 45-day IL. So, yeah, you can cross that one off. Uh, Jonathan Hernandez, Nick Goody have been the names of choice. You know, Jesse Chavez and that look he's got going on, people are – like that's a long, long shot. But Edison Volquez is interesting. I've heard his name thrown around. I know Goody and Hernandez were the main targets this weekend. What are you doing in the Texas situation? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if you look at today's game against the Giants, Hernandez pitched the seventh and the eighth, and he did really well. Two innings, four Ks. I think he gave up a hit or a walk. But Volquez was there in the ninth, you know. Um, so it may just – it may be a committee. Um, it may be – I would, maybe you watched the game. I don't, I'm not sure which hitters of the Giants were up in the seventh and eighth but it may be a leverage situation where Hernandez is going to go up in the toughest spot. I don't really think there's much question about who the best arm in that bullpen is. I think Hernandez is pretty, pretty much that like just from a stuff perspective, the command is their control is not good. He walks a lot of guys, but you know, so did Jose Leclerc um, Volquez. So if it's Volquez, I don't think he's going to last very long. He doesn't have the strikeout stuff anymore. 
I, he never really did, to be honest with you. Um, so if it's him, it might just be like the kind of veteran thing. But Goody pitched in the sixth, I think, yesterday or the day before. I think he pitched in the sixth again today. So I don't think it's him. He's been me- mediocre his whole career. I don't think anything stands out about him. So for me, it's Hernandez. He was a star of spring training, of summer camp. They seem to really like him. He pitched really well today. So he's the guy that I already had. I, I got him last week in, in places where I was looking for saves just because I felt like Leclerc was a little a little shaky. Um, so I'm hoping that he gets a shot this week. You know, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah, I like Hernandez and Goody. I think Hernandez is a little more than Goody, but I, I like them both. Just they're going to usually get you some strikeouts and decent ratio. Like they're two good relievers, at least in that scenario where the mess that we're dealing with everywhere else, they can at least fill in for you, you know, if you're having starting pitching issues, if you just need guys to roster – I don't mind them as kind of relievers that might run into a save here and there. And if anything, maybe get you a win. We talked about relievers that could help you with ratios and sneak into some wins. Hernandez and Goody could kind of be those guys in that Texas bullpen that I don't mind taking a chance on. Uh, Just for for everyone's knowledge, the Yankees, the world has Chapman cleared. He's coming back. So I guess another week or so, he'll probably regain that job in in New York. So just keep an eye on that. Uh, Ken Giles for the Jays. Uh, I think when we talked last week, he was pretty much done for the year. Now they're saying he might be back soon. I don't like the sounds of it to begin with. Uh, Anthony Bass was the guy that everyone picked up last week. You still an Anthony Bass guy if that's the option in Toronto? Yeah, I think I think Bass is is the guy there. Um, I think Jordan Romano is an interesting backup just because I think he's the more kind of traditional closer. Um, I know Rob Silver has been touting him for a couple weeks. Um, I definitely think he's a good snag. Um, but I think Bass is, is the guy and he can do it. He can do a fine job, um, of doing that in the league where I got, uh, Jairo Diaz, the 20 team dynasty for 385. I put in the same bid for my sneaky plan was to put in, I put in a 385 bid for Anthony Bass, but he went for 507 and I had an $85 bid for Jordan Romano to put on my minor league roster because I can still put him in the minors. Got Jordan Romano. Did not get Anthony Bass, so um, but still, I, I think that I think uh, I think Bass is fine. Yeah. All right, um, the Cleveland Indians, Brad Hand, he's getting it done, kind God, of, but it's not pretty. It just keeps going. Yeah. It's not pretty. Nick Wittergren's been okay there, but everyone wants to talk James Karinchak. He saved a game the other night, looked filthy. We knew that going into the year that Karinchak was real close to being the guy. It was very. Very cut and dry there. Do you think um, it's Karinchek going forward like some people do, or does Brad Hand still get the job? Uh, it's a really good question. I mean, if anybody listened to the podcast, um, you know, leading up to the season, me and you were both really off of Brad Hand um, because of that velo being down towards the end of last season. And that's another thing I'm going to hone in on is just velo at the end of the season, the increases towards the end of the season, the dips towards the end of the season. I think, I, somebody do some research out there. It's probably already out there, but I think I think it makes a difference. So I'm just going to put that out there. Um, but I think uh, Tito is very loyal to his closers. So I don't think Kririnchak has the job yet. I think Hand is going to get the opportunity again. But um, I think that they're losing faith in him. Um, and I think that's for good reason. I don't think that Brad Hand... With at at Brad Hand at ninety to ninety one is not the same Brad Hand that was at ninety three to ninety four. He's a two pitch pitcher. When that velo goes down and you're a two pitch pitcher, it's just not the same. I mean, it's the same thing with Hansel. 
Um, and even in the situations where he's gotten saves, hand has looked looked relatively shaky. I think he had one clean one, but he had another one where the White Sox, I think, put a, put a, put a few runners on, um, or he gave up a run or something like that. So I, I think um, I think the writing's on the wall. I don't think it'll happen right off the bat, but I think Karinchak is a really nice hat. Yeah, for the uh, Baltimore Orioles, Cole Sulcer. And if he would have told me before this past week who he was, I couldn't have told you. Really good enough, to be totally honest with you. But he now has three saves on the season and four appearances. Um, he's got two saves of two innings or more. Today was a two-inning save on Sunday. Two-inning save about a week ago against the Red Sox. A couple one-inning outings. One, he got blown up by the Yankees. One, he shut down the Rays. He seems to be the guy in Baltimore. It's the Orioles, so it's never pretty, but they've been decent this year. I know I put a lot of bids on him. He went, um, if we look overall on the Fab Results world, uh, I know he was a popular name. He went as high as uh, 410, as low as a dollar, went 138 leagues. What's your thoughts on Cole Sulcer in Baltimore? Yeah, you know, I wasn't that interested in him. I didn't really put in any bins. I just, you know, because he's on the Orioles and the Orioles have been so shifty with their closers, like they've just, they've never really stuck with a closer since this new regime came in that I um, I didn't really show interest. But I mean, 17% swinging strike rate. I mean, that's super good. Um, you know, a, a pretty nice K minus walk rate there. So he looks, he looks fine. I know he blew the save, I think yesterday or the day before. So, you know, that's, that's why I just, you know, um, unless it looks really perfect, uh, I kind of shy, shy away from that, from bullpens like the Orioles or the Giants. But sometimes that's to my own detriment, as you see with Trevor Gott. So the last one I'm going to talk about tonight, or we're going to talk about tonight, is the Mariners. Taylor Williams, he has a couple save now, saves now for the Mariners. It's not uh, Hirano. It's not anybody else we expected. Is Taylor Williams the guy going forward that you'd trust if you were going for Seattle? Uh, no, not really. Again, I don't have any special knowledge or um, – anything like that. But I think when Hirano comes back, he's going to be the guy. Um, they have him on a one-year deal. Um, if he can pitch well when he gets back, and I, I know he's working towards that, you know, if he pitches well in high leverage situations, I think their best case scenario for him is, is being able to move him um, to get something in return. And so for me, uh, I'm not super interested, but again, people who snagged him last week, I know uh, Matthew Davis has been a big fan of his and and got a couple saves off of him this week. So uh, kudos to folks who who have kind of gone with him. But for me, I'm, I'm not super interested in him. All right. We only went through like 15 teams. I think that's pretty much all of them for this week. So stay tuned next week for uh, more bullpen disasters. Yeah, exactly. It's why, that's why I said take the guys that will get you the ratios. Very simple stuff. Um, let's go to the fab results. We kind of joked around earlier how messed up it was, and it was. It was wild, wild. Uh, we got TGFBI. We got the page that shows pretty much everything that NFBC did as well. But, you know, Nick Madrigal, he was big. Christian Javier, uh, Eno Saris, bought him for 211 in my league. Runner was 152. Uh, Rowan Wick went for a ton to Smata uh, at 169. Like, Di Scofani went for a lot. Nico Horner, Teoscar Hernandez, uh, Nico Horner went for a 162. That one surprised me a bit. Interesting. Uh, yeah, J.P. Crawford, you know, Alec Mills a week after the two-step that you grabbed him for. Uh, Taiwan Walker went for 101 in my league, but then a lot of other smaller bids here and there. Uh, what were some of the big bids in your league? Who doesn't love Alec Mills? I mean, come on, guys. Like It made more sense when you took him a week early. Well, you know, <laughs> I didn't get the two-step, though. I got him yeah. for the good start against Cincinnati. We missed the two-step. And it looks like we might miss this yeah, week. Yeah, we might, too. Good point. Good point. <laughs> the St. Louis Cardinals, but he does get Pittsburgh. 
So I'm, I'm down for that. I'm, I'm super down for that. Knock on wood. Um, you should knock on wood anytime Alec Mills is in the conversation. Um, so in my league, uh, in TGFDI, yeah, back, uh, Christian Javier was the big one. 444, backup of 266. After that, Casey Mize went for 333, which is interesting. I know some people thought he was going to pitch on Sunday today, but Daniel Norris is back in the rotation. Um, how did Norris pitch today? I didn't, I did not have a chance to look into that, but um, I'm a big, I'm a big, I'm not a big Norris fan. I just think that there's a lot of potential there um, for him. Uh, so Casey Mize went um, and then it was Jeremy Jeffress for 233. Um, backup bid of 16. There was not a ton of bidding in my TGFBI. David Peterson went for 204. Uh, Chris Bubich went for 204. I got Tyler Chatwood for 143 with a 111 backup. I felt pretty good about that one. Uh, Karinchak went for 126. I got Jairo Diaz for 109 with no backup. I got Rowan Wick for 67 with a 17 backup. Uh, those were all of them. A lot of the ones that you mentioned before, a lot of giants, you know, Donovan Solano, Evan uh, Longoria, which I think is really good pickup. He's been swinging the bat pretty well. Brandon Belt, Wilmer Flores, Hunter Pence, you know, guys like that. So um, nothing, you know, a couple really high bids. Um, but, you know, I felt pretty good about leaving the draft with those guys. I actually don't really want Wick now that I got Jairo Diaz, but uh, I got him. That's how it rolls sometimes. Yeah, the guys I picked up this week, and it lets you know guys that uh, I mentioned getting rid of like Braun and um, and some others earlier. I got rid of Rugnan Odor. I got I picked up Donovan Solano for Rugnan Odor, fourteen dollars runner up eleven. So I was pretty happy with that. I dropped Tyler Rogers, and there wasn't many Tyler Roger fans bigger than me. But it's a Kapler is a liar, and B he has not looked good. So um, I got yeah, I got he's, good. He's, he's got, gotten roughed up a couple of times. Roughed up. One sure. of them was that Ruffed. one of them was that dumb second guy who started on second extra innings rule that, that roughed him up good. But uh, I got Nick Goody and that's I wanted Hernandez Goody second. I got Goody, so that's where that went. And then I got Victor Reyes uh, for eight bucks, no runner up. Go get me some steals and whatnot. So cool. just uh, put put some cheapies out there because my high bids all went for a boatload. Like you mentioned, Jeremy Jeffers going for a ton in the early game for fifteen bucks on ours. That's why this is just like. Kyle Friedman went for 31 in ours. Dalton Varshall only 41. I, I just love looking about how different prices are. It just blows my freaking mind. That's why it's so hard to bid every week. It's, it's just bananas. Like I mentioned, Javier only went for 211, but he went for like four something in yours. It's a, it's a good time. But any final takeaways from Fab? Because I'm really curious to go look um, and see how much money people have left because the first few weeks has been just mayhem. Like Smata, we love Smata, but now he's spent. 139 on T Oscar, which is a good good buy. But he spent 169 on Wick. Last week he spent like almost 300 on Alex Cobb. So he, he's down quite a bit now. Uh, I know that's just off the top of my head. Uh, Eno Saris went for broke this week. He, he spent about 500 bucks or so. So it'll be interesting to see how many how much money certain people have going into the, the last few weeks. For sure. Yeah, the strategy piece is interesting. I mean, I think the Jeffress Wick thing is a really interesting kind of side by side just because I think it shows how you can kind of y- utilize probability in some of this. So like the question would be, and again, this isn't a criticism of anybody's bids or anything like that, but let's say, so you have Jeremy Dreffris who goes for a $223 bid. And then you have the Rowan Wick bid that I put in for 67. And again, I'm not saying one is better than the other, but the way that I think about that is, okay, what are the, 
is Jeffress between three and four times more likely to get the, get the gig, you know, is he worth that like three to three to four times what Rowan Wick is, you know, in this particular scenario, if he gets the job and runs with it, yes. But just from a probabilities perspective for me, I guess it's kind of like, um, you know, I'm not, I don't know poker super well, but like from like a, like thinking about pot odds, right? Like Like the chance of getting is the chance of getting of, of hitting on Jeffress, four times that of hitting on wick essentially like when you're looking at it from an investment perspective um you know that's kind of how i think about a lot of these things so even if it's like even if it's like closer x has a 25 percent chance of getting the job and closer y has a 50 percent chance of getting the job and i think they have an equal chance of running it when they get it but the 25 percent guy costs one tenth of or one fifth of the other guy, I'm always going to go with the lower bit, you know, because what it tells me is we don't know for sure who's going to get the job. There maybe isn't that much of a differentiation from a skills perspective. And so that's just kind of how I think about bids a lot of times and why you won't see me oftentimes outside of 20 team dynasty leagues, you know, go with really high bids for closers. No, it makes a lot of sense. I'm hundred percent with you on that. And that's why I think it's kind of interesting hearing different philosophies we talk about it every week just to talk like it's fun to talk about who got picked and who like the different prices but i think one thing it leads to is it makes the discussion of strategy which is very interesting like vlad settler and um you know scott jenstead and like like you listen to scott and jeff for years do it on sunday nights because there's strategy involved there's like let people know the thought process of what took place because we're not the only ones that look at the numbers and go what in the world like how, how did that go and it's it differs between sizes of the leagues i know you just mentioned 20 team dynasty we're talking 15 team tgfbi and fbc the 12 team leagues those prices get bananas like it's all over the board and there's different strategy in different ways that's one of the the reasons we we talk about it the way we do so something to keep in mind um let's do listener questions and we'll start with the one here in the chat before we get to the ones on twitter james asks ben and tendy droppable for pence at coors he's tired of tendy okay i'm gonna be before, before i give you the floor here pence has been horrific he had a triple on Sunday, but he's been horrific. And I know Toby, one of the, the followers on Twitter, pointed out he's on the unlucky looks, but he was unlucky for like a 272 slug. So that's still not good, not good at all. And he's been um, absolutely like watching him hit, he's lost. Like the swing looks horrible. It is Coors Field. I get you. But um, Benny's been bad, but I think I'd still hold on to Benny. What about you, Toby? Yeah. Um, and then that's one of the things about those tweets is I put it in there is just because somebody's on the list doesn't mean they're good. Yeah. It means they've been unlucky, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they've been good. And Pence has not been It's good. just one piece of the puzzle. Um, I think, you know, look, Benintendi is not having a great start to the season, but um, I think it's Benintendi going away here. Number one, he's got a balanced profile. He generally hits for average. He generally steals bases. He's got a little bit of pop and he bats generally against right-handers at the top of that lineup. That is a nice place to be. He's struggling to begin the season, but again, you know, all it takes is one hot week and we're in really good shape. So um, I think Ben Benintendi, it's not even close uh, with Pence. My other thing would be is I have a feeling there's better options if you do want to drop Ben Benintendi than Pence on your waiver wire. And sure. those would be the discussions I'd be willing to have. <laughs> so, Because um, I'm not saying Ben and he's not droppable, but not for Hunter Pence. Um, Andrew Matney asks, we'll start off with a, a jovial one here, Toby. Hey, Toby, uh, why do you hate Mike Soroka? And when are you going to publicly apologize? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen off the air. 
Uh, so Andrew is my is my partner in one of my mains, the one that's fourth overall right now. Um, so he's allowed to give uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of a little bit of shtick. You know, whenever you're drafting with somebody else, you know, you always have your discussions about like who your different guys are. And he really wanted us to take Soroka. I think we took Hendricks in this particular scenario instead of Soroka. Number one, because Hendricks has done this for a long time, and uh, Hendricks um, was cheaper than Soroka was. Uh, Soroka, again, uh, limiting contact management is something that I don't necessarily believe until I really see it happening. And I think Soroka may have that, but I also think that his strikeouts are limited, um, because yes, he has a good slider and he has a good changeup, but he doesn't have any pitches that he can throw for strikes and get swings and misses on his sinker and his four seam have very high in zone contact rates. His curveball has a very good, uh, or slider has a very high in zone contact rate for a slider. It's his changeup is the only pitch that he can really throw in the strike zone that gets whiffs, but he also can't throw it in the strike zone. His zone percentage is like 35%, which is probably on purpose, right? Because you're trying to get them to chase and make poor contact. So when I see a profile like that, I just see a very limited ceiling. And obviously he's pitched really well so far. And I'll just throw in this about Andrew Matney. He wanted us to draft Jonas Cespedes uh, at pick 250. So, you know... How about that? He also wanted us to pick Chris Paddock, and that's worked out for us so far. And without an implosion of the San Diego Padres bullpen, we would have gotten a win there too. So Yeah, that game against the Giants, he should have had that win. Both of those games, right? Padres are supposed to have this stud bullpen, and they can't contain the Giants with five or Paddock. That's why I told I told people on my DFS show, they're like, Oh, but look at Paddock. Well, Paddock pitched great. It was the bullpen. It wasn't it wasn't them. But um Matt Leahy asks, what do you think it would would take for Edwin Rios to get regular at bats, dude rakes when he's given the chance. I, I agree. He needs regular at bats. Maybe Mookie Betts injury will get him some regular at bats. We don't know how long Mookie Betts is out. He might not be out at all. That could be simple. It's just the Dodgers. They're so deep. There's just so many spots for him, and he does rake. Um, it's just it's tough to to say, but um, maybe they'll let Betts rest a couple days and give him a shot. But that's my two cents. Yeah, I think a good comp for Edwin Rios is Kyle Lewis. I think that's a I think Edwin Rios is kind of the Kyle Lewis of the National League without access to full-time playing time. So I, I think there's so many things to love about Rios. The the barrel, like the way he hits the ball is just incredible. But again, like with just like with Lewis, you know, you gotta in order to have even a remotely decent batting average, you have to have incredibly high Babbitts, which he will likely have a very high Babbitt just because of how well he strikes the ball. Uh, but right now he's got a 30%, um, uh, right now he's got a 30%, um, strikeout rate. Um, it was 37.5% last year. His contact rate is actually pretty good. I mean, it's right in line with league average. He's got better plate discipline than Kyle Lewis does. So he's got those things going for him. So again, it's one of those situations where he could get on a hot streak and hit five home runs in a week and just be the talk of fantasy. And that's a very possible outcome. At the same time, he could go over his next 15 with eight strikeouts, and it also wouldn't be that surprising. And so maybe he'll end up in the middle, and I think the middle is probably like a 250 batting average with a decent amount of home runs. But again, like how many guys is, is he going to get in the lineup on a regular basis? I think he played the last two games, you know, so maybe with a Mookie Betts injury, something like that. But again, it's one of those things where as a – as you're managing a lineup and you look at your lineup, you're like, okay, he's playing on Monday. Yeah. And you're like, am I starting him? 
Am I putting him in that spot? You know, you might, not play, you might not play again until Friday. <laughs> exactly. And so those are questions that like, obviously you have to make a decision on those guys sometimes, but I don't like having those guys on my team because it's just really tough. How about, um, he also asked with Suspedis opting out, um, we mentioned Dom Smith, JD Davis pretty much getting regular playing time. Are you in on Dom Day, uh, Dom Smith getting uh, as a as a play now with him getting regular playing time? Um, yeah, I think he's. Um, I think he's. Uh, I think he's. Yeah, I think he's good. I think he's a. I think he's a solid add in a fifteen team league, maybe even a twelve team league. I think he gets the. I guess think he gets the run um, uh, for the most part. I don't know what they're going to do with lefties, you know, but uh, I think he's going to get some the plate appearances, and I think he's. I think he's a pretty good hitter. Yeah, I agree with you there. We have a few questions from at SMMS79. First off, he plays in a 10-teamer where uh, pitching goes deep. Who is the guy that most folks are grabbing in deeper leagues that may surprise with shallow appeal? In other words, if you were in a 10-teamer, who is an ad other players might be sleeping on? So guys, like 15-team league guys that are getting picked up now that in a 10-team league, he'd be sneaky for him. All right. So the guys that I was targeting this week that were pitchers, which I didn't get most of them because the bids were so high. And I don't know whether that's me needing to adapt or just not being willing to pay that price uh, for certain guys. But um, the guys that I was going after that were still around, I mean, Tyler uh, Chatwood is one, you know, where it seems like uh, I think it was Alex Chamberlain was mentioning, you know, he was, he was much better in the second half last year too, from a walks perspective. So it seems like a longer term, Thing. And the walks were always the issue, right? There wasn't a lot of debate about around the skill necessarily. Uh, so Chatwood is a guy that I was interested in. Um, I was interested in Dobnak uh, of the Twins, mostly because he has the Royals, I think, this week on Wednesday or Thursday. And then next, next week, he's got the Brewers and the Royals again, I think for a two-step, which is really nice um, to have. But again, there's a day off in the middle there. And I'm just not sure whether... He's going to go through with that, but Randy Dobnak would be one. Not necessarily a guy who gets a ton of Ks, but I think from a wins and a, um, you know, not even necessarily a whip perspective because he walks a decent amount of guys. He's a guy. Um, John Means of the Orioles. Uh, he's supposed to pitch against the Marlins this week. His velocity is up about three miles per hour. Um, he was at 95-1 against the Yankees. CSW was very good. Swinging strike rate was very good. Got knocked around in the first inning, but after that he settled down and was really good. So I got him in a few spots. Um, I really like John Means as a guy who can contribute, and he's also going to have a not great but not terrible uh, two-step next week. He pitches Wednesday this week. He should have uh, the Phillies on Monday, I think, and the Nationals on um, on Sunday, which, you know, again, like is not ideal because Soto will be back, but the Nats lineup isn't necessarily hitting on all cylinders right now. Uh, another guy that I was after was Kyle Freeland. Uh, again, the velocity is up. Freeland, guys have always had a tough time, except for last year, like lining up Freeland. Like when he pitched in that one year, he just like found a way. Um, and this year he started off pretty well um, from a CSW perspective. His chip, his pitch mitch has changed a lot. He's only throwing four seamers really. And it's only about like, it was like 25% of his pitches the other day. And so it sounds like he's doing something different and he's got uh, the, I think he's got the, um, 
Mariners on Thursday this week, although it uh, is at home. It's not the Mariners. It's the Giants at home. I thought he had the Mariners on Friday. That's my bad. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just going through here with my list. Asher Wojciechowski is another guy. Kind of liked him towards the end of last year. He actually pitched pretty well in his first start. So if he's got the right matchup, he's he's good. He's got some good breaking stuff. His CSW was close to 40%, which is no small feat. Um, in his first start of the season, I don't think he's going to pitch this week, at least based on the schedule that I'm seeing. But in case he is, you know, they have the Marlins, and then I think they have a team that's also not that great. Maybe maybe it's the Red Sox, but the Red Sox don't scare me all that much, um, which I probably shouldn't say after today's game. Um, and then maybe he's got a two-step next week. So that's another guy that I was targeting. So those are some guys who generally what I do, you know, and again, like I did a pitch con um, thing on this, but – I look at swing and strike rate. I look at K minus walk rate. I look at CSW. Um, I look at those types of metrics to see which guys are kind of popping. And it's a very small sample size, but those are some of the guys that stood out for me. Yeah, Chatwood, that increased cutter usage has been tremendous. That was, doc- that was talked about a lot here recently, and that's uh, helped a ton. It helped you Darvish out to cut back on walks. So it could be something to use there. I like the Freeland call. A couple others that uh, were also on my radar to uh, take a look at. UC Kikuchi, the velocity is up big time. <laughs> changing that velo uh, up and changing the pitch mix. Uh, and he's, he added a cutter also. I know um, some guys are talking about that also. So Kikuchi is an interesting one to keep an eye on and, and probably take a gamble on at some point in your smaller league. And then if you just want to – you mentioned a lot of them. A couple others, like um, I liked what I've seen the first two times around from Peterson um, from the Mets. Sinker baller, he's one of their high prospect pitchers, decent strikeout stuff. I like what I've seen from him. So that's a guy to go for. And a guy we've talked about a lot on the show, and uh, we'll talk about him briefly later, is uh, Spencer Turnbull. He's still available in a lot of spots. Another guy that he went in a lot of places he's now. Out there. Yeah, he he went in um, – I just have the the, the list here from uh, just NFC in general. He went in 34 more leagues this week. So uh, in, in, in 10-team leagues, I'd imagine Turnbull sitting there on the wire so you can go have some fun with that oh, as well. Follow us on Twitter. Come on. Yeah, that's it. No, exactly. Just- Easy stuff. Easy game. Um, I'm gonna. I'm sorry. We can't. I'm not gonna. This one's gonna be a long one. So I'm sorry. Yes, MS. We got other questions for you. Um, he says, if you want to go down a rabbit hole of pain, what's the hardest part of the season been so far for him? Is losing 23 percent of that bats to the weekend with postponements. It's kind of like what we talked about before. What's been the hardest part so far? Fab. Fab's been brutal. Um, outside of Fab, uh, I have. I have a lot of JT Real Muto. I missed him for an entire week. Uh, my best main event team didn't have him for a whole week. So that was a little bit sad. Um, uh, you know, I have a ton of Blue Jays. I have Teoscar Hernandez a bunch of places, so I didn't have him this week. I have a lot of Nationals. Starling Castro on a bunch of teams. Howie Kendrick on a bunch of teams. Um, Victor Robles on a bunch of teams. So, yeah, I mean, missing out on those is is tough. But in the same sense, I feel like we're all kind of in that boat. And so, you know, just kind of work through it. So fab, I think, has just been the worst because there's just so many things that are changing and it's grueling. I have 10 fab leagues, I think, and it's not enjoyable. Like, yeah. Yep. yep it's, it, it, for me, it's been just losing guys and not having any way to fix it. That's been just ridiculous. Like, it's tough, but, hey, we're all dealing with it. We all make it work. Uh, D- Dave Petroziello asks, will Karinchek take over in Cleveland? I think we're kind of in in, in agreement eventually. I agree with what your take on Tito is loyal, but it's only going to take a couple more mess-ups for Karinczak to, to walk in there. Um, Joe G, Joe G414, he asked, which outfielders, Austin Hayes, Sinsu Chu, 
Aaron Hicks or Grichik in a deep mixed roto league? You know, a lot of these are so team dependent. Those are very different players. So like Grichik is a power hitter who's going to hurt your average, probably help you in other places coming off an injury. So if you need power, then I would go with Grichik. I mean, I think that's the important thing to think about this. Like that's the lens you got to be analyzing all of this stuff in. You have positional needs because you need to fill roster spots and you have team needs and it's early in the season, but you can start to see now where the weaknesses are. Like I have teams like where I went super heavy starting pitching because my K's, my, my K's are low, you know? Um, and so I think you have to look at it. So with Shinsu, Shinsu Chu, and it's, it's also schedule. Like those guys are so close together that it's really about who has the better schedule um, and who meets your team's needs. Um, Cause all those guys are playing. So it's like, you know, the Orioles with Austin Hayes have Miami. And then I think they have Boston. I want to say, yep. am I making that up? So Miami and Boston. So that's a pretty good hitting schedule for you to have, especially knowing that the Marlins, it sounds like most of their pitchers um, had COVID. And so those, that's going to be where they're hurt the most, according to Craig Mish. So that might be a good guy. Um, I think that the Texas um, lineup, the Texas schedule is okay. Um, for this week. So you probably want to see how many left-handed pitchers, you know, Shinsu Chu is probably going to go against. Um, Grichuk should play every day as long as they're there. So that's what he's got going for him. And who is the last guy? Uh, Aaron Hicks. Uh, and then Aaron Hicks, the Yankees have a very good schedule. Yeah. He's off to a very slow start, but I don't see that lasting for too yeah. much longer. Yeah, they've got eight games. So I might be I might be tempted to lean towards Aaron Hicks in that particular scenario. But again, I don't have Hicks and I haven't been monitoring the Yankees lineup super closely outside of like making sure that my guys are in there. He's hitting like cool. fifth most nights. Like he's in the middle of that lineup. He's just not hitting right now. Yeah. I mean, I think this is the thing is like this is the I think the these are the filters you should be running each of these types of ads through as you decide whether to draft them you know is who are the matchups does that give one guy a benefit over the others you know both in terms of the team and in terms of the pitchers that they're going up against lefty righty splits quality of opponent for instance something like that what does your team need from a positional standpoint you're all outfielders so clearly that's the need so what do you need power do you need speed you know if it's speed then maybe it's Hayes or Chu um, if you need runs maybe it's Hayes or Chu or Aaron Hicks you know so just try to kind of think about it that way. So we won't give you a solid answer because it really depends on what the situation is. Yeah, I like Hayes being uh, on that Orioles team is actually swinging it well, plus playing in Camden. Some of those matchups in the East, I do like Hayes quite a bit leading off there. Hicks is the guy I'd go with, but I understand if you're skeptical because of the way he's been playing. Uh, shorts on sports, he asked, we already answered this, but with Ozuna potentially being shut down for the Astros, do you see Presley or Abreu stepping in? Uh, we're on Team Presley there with uh, not much else to, to go off of. Uh, at Fantasy Capper asks, thoughts on Hanser Robles, or Hanser Alberto? Uh, his exit velocity data isn't great, but K-rate is nice. Bank on solid average. We've talked about him before. I have him starting for me on TGFBI. Like on the regular, I think he's very, very solid. Um, I got no problem using Hanser Alberto. He's, he crushes lefties and he hits righties decently. Um, if you're looking for a guy just to get at bats, get on base, I got no problem with Hanser. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and he's got second, third base eligibility, so there's some flexibility there. But again, don't expect power. You're going to be hurt by power. You're not really going to get much speed from him either. You know, so just factor that in. I don't think he's a guy you want in there consistently because you're going to fall behind in other categories. 
Uh, Leland Taglieri asks, do you think David Flet- if Fletcher struggles, which he's been playing pretty darn good, do you think Luis Rengifo can hit at the top of the order for the Angels? I don't know. I, I've always liked Rengifo um, because I think he, you know, he does a lot of good things. Um, Fletcher's obviously there. It's a short season, so it's not necessarily something that I would be banking on. And I don't think either of them is really a very good fantasy player. So, um, and the other question he had was: with a, do you think Adele comes up or, or Carlson or what other prospects are you looking to go? Like I already. I mentioned um, Jared Klinik, I think, should be up any day. If they're holding them back much longer, it's just foolish talking stuff. But uh, anybody you're looking to? Uh, Dylan Carlson, I think, is going to come up. I'm not a big Joe Adele fan at this point in time. I just think that there's too much swing and miss. Like, I think his I – I always say things with that before I look. I'm just relying on my memory, um, which is not good. Um, but I think there's still too much swing and miss in his game. Uh, yeah, so AAA last year, uh, 32.6% strikeout rate. His projected strikeout rate via steamer is 28.6%. So I just think there's more to do there. Um, and so I don't think he's that good. Then then again, like if he hits 250, steals some bags and hits some homers, that can be super helpful. So I'm not necessarily looking after him. But again, it's all league dependent because it's like if you have seven slots and no IL, then carrying around a guy like Joe Adele, who you're not sure is going to be really good, taking up a spot is really difficult to do. Whereas if you have 10 bench spots, then it's a lot easier to do. So I just say, depending on what your league looks like to, uh, to make that the decision accordingly. Yep. No doubt about it. And speaking of Adele, um, just keep in mind, Mike Trout will be back on Tuesday. They play in, I think in Seattle or something. So he, uh, his wife gave birth to their child. He took a couple of days off. He will be back on Tuesday. So nothing to worry about on that realm. He almost but, got the name right. Beckham. Hey. My, my youngest name is Beckett. Oh, there you go. I can't remember who uh, some play, some player tweeted it out that said they're already afraid to to yeah. face him because his initials are bat. Yeah. Totally. So good. So good. Yeah. But uh, awesome. all right, that'll wrap us up this week, Toby. Final thoughts on the craziness that has ensued. Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing uh, we're seeing craziness, um, and you know, I think uh, I think the best thing to do is just realize that we're all experiencing it. Um, there may be varying degrees of experiencing it right now among different teams that you have or different teams in general. But over the course of the season, the chances are, although it's a short season, so it's less likely than if it was longer that most of that will hopefully even out and that your teams will not be disproportionately uh, impacted by the injuries, but we have no control over that. So try to create a flexible, adaptable, balanced team as much as possible that is able to withstand, uh, you know, some of the bumps that you're getting. Um, and then I think fab strategy is super interesting. I'm, I'm fortunate because a lot of my teams are doing well. And so I've kind of been sitting back and going after guys strategically and trying to hold on to that fab towards the end where hopefully I can, you know, be a little bit more effective um, towards the end and getting the guys that I want, especially as we know more about players, like we know more about pitchers or, you know, um, people get a little bit more impatient and they start dropping guys that maybe the skills are good, but the results have been bad. So that's one strategy. But again, like we're missing out on chances to get guys right now. So it's just really interesting to see everything unfold. Try to embrace it. Try to enjoy it, um, you know, as much as you can. Um, and, you know, let's hope that when we have our next show on Monday, you know, we still have 
um, some baseball to talk about and hopefully the protocols are stronger than they were initially and that um, players are staying safe and safe and healthy. Yeah, no, I agree. I've gotten to the point now where I feel like they're going to do no matter what, they're going to play baseball. Like they're just going to go it's to the detriment of many things. But I, I've, I, it's, it's weird. You wake up in the morning and it's all bad news. And then first pitch comes and everyone's happy again for the night. And then it's like, it's like, like uh, Bloomfield yeah. said it best. It's like rinse and repeat. It's like everyone forgets everything takes place once four o'clock Pacific, seven Eastern starts. Like everything's fine. And then you wake up in the morning and it starts all over again. And it sucks. That's the world we live in. It's so. brutal. I feel like an awful person a lot of the time yeah. because I do, I get so much enjoyment and pleasure out of watching the games and playing the game, even though it's crazy. Like yeah. I'm just really enjoying it. It's what I love to do. It's, it's my hobby. It's what I, what I, you know, of all the things in the world I could have chosen as a hobby, I chose this and I love yeah. it. And so it's really hard to juxtapose that with the way I feel from like a values perspective about the way they're handling it. And, the safety of the players. And I want to be like, yes, I value the safety of the players, but at the same time, like I'd be so sad if they stopped playing. And so I guess um, thank you to the players for continuing to um, play. And again, respect to everybody who's deciding not to, that it's not in their best interest or the best interest of their family. So uh, respect to them um, and respect to the people who are continuing to play. And let's try to make the best of a, of a bad situation. Yep. Like I tweeted out last week, I was sitting there watching the game, had the daughter on my chest sleeping, and I was like, watching baseball. I'm watching baseball, going, I- I'm so happy. I was like, I don't say it enough. Baseball just makes life good. <laughs> so it does. It does. Just, uh, let's hope it keeps happening. But uh, we'll be back with you guys next Monday, and we'll, we'll talk about whatever took place this week. Hopefully, some good, less bad. We'll see. But you can find out. You can find Toby on Twitter at batflipcrazy. I'm on Twitter at bdentric. So Bubba and the Batflip episode 46. Catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote? Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.